Well, moving into international markets can create new opportunities, but it can create even more complications if it's not done properly and especially at the right time. So today we're going to talk about how and when you should move into international markets and what the dangers are of premature international growth. Well, I'm joined by Jorun Arts. And he can correct me on, on the name pronunciation there. I think I got it right. What, how did I do? I, I think you did pretty well. I mean, um, <clears throat> it's a Dutch name, so you would say Jeroen, but I've heard all kinds of variations throughout the year. It's not the most uh, common international name, so I'll, I'll take it. Happy to take awesome. It. Awesome. Well, Jeroen, thanks for, thanks for joining us. Um, you're, you're coming in with lots of experience here, both as an operator and an investor. Um, you know, right now you're, you're a partner at Speed Invest. And, you know, you, you've previously co-founded and were the CEO of Desk Bookers, which is a marketplace for uh, where you could rent hourly, um, a place to work. And, and you're co-host of the Marketplace Conference, which is a huge deal. I'm, I have personally really um, benefited from and enjoyed a lot of the content that you guys put out and learned a lot from you. And um, I think it's been pretty clear through, through this podcast journey that I am learning along with, with everyone. And we're making this a community project to kind of grow and learn together in the marketplace space. And um, man, you're you're you are a leader in this space, and you're a leader and, and a teacher. And I'm I'm really appreciate that you were willing to give me your time and and join and share with the community about this topic, which is also really interesting to talk about international growth. I think it's a, it can be a very uh, specific topic that, uh, but it's a, a topic that a lot of founders are thinking about, especially um, VC backed uh, companies founders. So. Yeah, I'm excited to, to move into this. Can you maybe just start off by talking about why this is a topic that you are passionate about and how we got to discussing this? Sure, and, and thanks for thanks for the introduction. I think very kind words. Um, to be fair, <clears throat> maybe just as a little bit as a, as a aside, I obviously have been in the marketplace sector for quite a while by now, roughly 12 years, yeah. split 50-50 in being like an operator and now an investor. I am still learning a lot every day. And that's actually also one of the reasons that we set up this whole marketplace conference, because we actually want to bring together experts who have done it way longer than I did and, and can I leverage their insights and use it for, for the broader marketplace community. So, uh, just as you, I, I'm also learning and, uh, um, yeah, I think that's, it's a very important, uh, part of our, our work to make sure that this knowledge is also shared across the community. Now, I think like internationalization is a, is, a, is, a, is a topic that's always on the radar for a founder, especially when you're building like a VC-backed startup. And I think, um, or at least I, I realize that sometimes this topic is a little bit like poorly addressed, frankly speaking. Mm. And I see myself ending up in situations where I talk to a founder and I've been in that spot myself before um where i see them kind of push internationalization from a very early day onwards uh where i think it actually doesn't make too much sense so and um i think situations where this arises for instance when you know uh, there's a marketplace that builds um a very localized product you, know, you could think about like for instance a platform for elderly care you know where elderly people find their care workers to take care of them and then from a very early day, they say, no, we want to go to international markets. And I always try to understand the why, because from an outside in perspective, it's actually not that obvious that you would internationalize from day one because you're, you're 
platform as such doesn't necessarily value um, having like an international footprint. So if you then start to dig deeper into why are they pushing internationalization, in some cases, I actually realized that it's kind of like us investors pushing that topic for the founder. And I think this is, uh, this is quite common, unfortunately. And I then come in with a kind of like a contrarian view saying, hey, I think you should actually stick to your own home market for now and figure that one out uh, before heading into internationalization. Um, so I think these kind of problems around like, uh, why would you internationalize and when would you internationalize, I think are quite common. And I think it's helpful when like farmers have a, a bit of a, like a framework to use when they, when they you know, try to make that decision for themselves. Yeah. Every marketplace founder I talk to, I always ask them, why do you love the marketplace model? And I, I kid you not, I think the most common answer is that it's so complicated and difficult, but when you get it right, it's just amazing. That's that's usually where they go. It's like this is a this is a much more complicated model than many business models people run, and I and I think because of that, um, that you have a lot of room to get things right and get things wrong before you move internationally. So what I'm trying to say is, if you if you can really figure things out well at home and um, figure out your market there. Moving internationally might give you, you, you may be able to do that a little better, um, but you have to realize that you, you now have a different market and a different and more things to figure out. So my big question for you is why have you decided to be a contrarian in the investor space? Why are you um, mo more thinking it's better to, to not move internationally as quickly? Yeah. I mean, I think it really depends on kind of like the, the type of marketplace that you are building. I think obviously what is important is that, you know, I'm investing in very early stage companies. So at Speed Invest, we do kind of pre-seed and seed type of investments. So really, really early in the journey of a company. And I think, especially at those early moments, you want to have crystal clear, why are we going to internationalize? And to me, there's basically three main reasons that I see. So the first one is, um, there are some cases where building an international marketplace from day one is really adding value for the end user. And I think a good example here would be a platform like Airbnb, where obviously a big chunk of the people that are uh, consumers and using the platform are actually people who like to travel internationally and they want to go to different places. So, so here, obviously, adding more countries um, adds a ton of value to the platform. And I think as such, it's, it's a bit more logical bit more logical to internationalize in early in the early days i think the second big reason i see to actually internationalize is when you feel your current home market doesn't have a big enough addressable market to build a proper big venture case you know is this market large enough to really sustain a huge uh, business case and um, you know if you're building like a company out of maybe somewhat smaller european region uh, it could be the Netherlands, where I'm from. It could be a country like Finland or Sweden. You know, obviously then, in some cases, it might make sense to actually expand into another market simply because you want to increase the overall size of the opportunity, right? So I think that's the second sort of like credible reason I see to actually internationalize. And then the third one that I see is competition. So maybe you're operating in a market where there is some sort of winner takes most dynamic and then it might make sense to internationalize very early on and very aggressively but even then i think the question is still kind of like when 
and to get back to your initial point, like, okay, what are, what are the risks that you have when you're basically doing premature internationalization? I think the first one is, or the main, the obvious one is, is obviously quite, you're adding a lot of complexities, actually, if you're starting to internationalize, right? You, you, you really turn your company from a single country mode into a multi-country uh, vehicle, and that increases com complexity by a big margin. And I think the most important aspect that I think founders need to get right before internationalizing is actually that they have a pretty good understanding of what is the operating model that we have in this country? Does it actually work? So you want to get a bit of a sense of product market fit uh, before actually starting to internationalize. Yeah. And obviously, if you then move into new, new markets and you really haven't cracked that product market fit, I mean, it's a bit of a vague term in, in many instances, but um, you know, if, if you haven't cracked it, then the problems will only multiply uh, as you add more complexities, as you add more co uh, countries. Um, so I think, uh, I think that's the biggest mistake, which then ends up in founders spending a lot of money on, uh, unsuccessful projects. Um, yeah. The, to, in a sense, would you say that founders kind of, when you're, when you haven't internationalized yet, you kind of have a home field advantage, right? Like you're, you're working from somewhere that you, you may know better and you have with, with each bit of work that you do, you are understanding your market better and the product market fit better. And when you, when you move internationally, you're tackling a new beast. It's not, you may assume that you're moving into something similar with a different location. That's not usually the case. And so you've got a lot more things that you you in essence go back to 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 ground zero. You go back to level one, and then you have to figure these things out again. And it's much better, from what I'm hearing from you, to say dominate where you're at first. In most cases, granted, there's there's the cases of Airbnbs and and things like that. But um, dominate where you're at first. Make sure that you've got the product market fit because your go to market plan might change when you go to, into an international market. Um, your 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 product or your your target market might be different, right? Your total addressable market might be completely different. Um, so I think one thing that might be helpful to founders who are considering how how should I think about going into an international market would be what what should they be thinking about in their head? What questions should they be asking themselves mm -hmm. to figure out is this is it time for me? And if it's not, when will that time be? Yeah, maybe to your initial point, right? So I don't think I've seen any company that was kind of like unsuccessful in their first or home market and then expanded and was successful in their second market, right? So that really doesn't happen, you know? So in my view, getting from the first market, if you haven't cracked that first market to a second one, doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> and unfortunately, I see sometimes happen that, that founders just want to start moving into different countries while they actually don't have any real control yet over the, the first country they, they started in. Now, I think the way to think about internationalization is basically asking yourselves four main questions. The first question is, why do I want to internationalize? And I already tapped into that a little bit, right? So is this about finding a bigger market? Is this adding value to my customers in my current market? Um, or is this driven by competition? I think on the, on the third one, driven by competition, I think you should tread very carefully because obviously this is very much a slippery slope and you see a lot of, you know, let's take the example of quick commerce where 
you know, there's definitely some winner takes most component to it. And you saw people move very aggressively into new markets. And then I think it's, it could be a reason, but it's, it's never the best reason I think for internationalization. So the first one is really, uh, why do we want to internationalize? The second one really ties into the, the, when do we want to internationalize? And, um, I mean, I tapped into this before. I mean, here you obviously talk about like, you know, do we have some sort of um, product market fit? Um, you know, is the, the product that we currently have in the home country, is that working? Do we have a little bit of control on kind of like our unit economics? Have we figured out an acquisition channel that actually works in this country? Um, and then only then you actually want to start thinking about should we do this in another country, right? So that's the second, second question. And then the third question is really much more tactical, which is you know, if we want to internationalize, where do we want to go to? Um, because obviously, you know, the world is quite big, especially if you're like a building a startup out of Europe. There's many countries in Europe and there's so many places you can go. So you want to have some sort of idea on, you know, which, which market would we go into and why is that actually the case? And then the, the fourth question, which was me the last question is kind of like the how, right? So, um, you know, how do we action this plan to internationalize? What is required to make this a success? And I think, <clears throat> I think if you have pretty good answers as a founder on all those four questions, why, when, where, and how, I think then you're ready for proper internationalization. So let's talk a little bit more then about the, the right time. So if you've got the answers to those four questions um, and you're thinking through those, that gives you a lot of insight to know, is this the right time? Um, my question then would be, what do they need to have done first? What, what should – and you have to realize as a listener that we're talking generally, right? And, and, I, and that's, that's what we have said from the beginning is these are – every marketplace is different and every business is different. And so there's unique situations where um, just for example, you know, I had a conversation uh, with Michelle Tinsley, the president and co-founder of Yellowbird. Yellowbird went, went across all 50 states all at once. They moved – nationally from one city to the entire country because they had a huge amount of supply coming into their marketplace and they didn't want to turn down all of the all of the supply side that was interested and that and that's how they grew right there's unique situations that that change depending on what your marketplace model is whether or not that kind of thing's possible how localized your 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 product is or your services but generally speaking what should be done first before um, before uh, you even think about going international? Yeah, and and to your first point, I think uh, yeah, you actually, I mean, there's one important caveat, right? So, which is if you're building a company in the US, it's gonna be vastly different than building a company out of Europe. Um, as an example, uh, the markets are roughly the same size in terms of like um, uh, total population. But obviously the difference is that in Europe, you have a lot of different countries with their own nuances, their own languages, their own uh, mm -hmm. kind of like cultures. And obviously <clears throat> US is, you know, operating in the US is such an advantage in, in a way because you know that the, the total addressable market is going to be big enough. If it doesn't work in the US, if the market in the US is not big enough, it will not work anywhere else. Whereas obviously if you're building something out of the Netherlands, like I said, or maybe Luxembourg or some other small country, then, 
you you know you might need to internationalize in order to really address that that big enough of a market so um i like the example of uh that you just gave um i think the question on when is the right time to move internationally i think the first one is kind of like have we got it right are we doing in this country are is what we're doing in this country is that actually working and obviously there's like a whole set of kpis or metric you can look at but i think the most obvious ones are kind of like do customers actually love our product i think one way to look at it is kind of like is the nps score that we're having is it high enough um do we have a lot of supporters or do we have a lot of detractors actually um so are you know are people valuing the service that we're offering I think the second layer you can then look at in terms of do we have it right is are those people that are coming to our platform and transacting on our platform, are they also staying? You know, are they are they coming back for more? Um, obviously here there's a lot of nuances because a marketplace for secondhand cars will have less retention than a marketplace for, I don't know, like personal coaching, which you might have want to do every couple of weeks or every couple of months. But I think in general, like retention or cohorts give you a pretty good indicator on have we got it right. Then a third element to look at is do we actually have kind of scalable acquisition channels? You know, you know what, are, what are the channels that are actually driving the traffic on both the supply side as well as on the demand side? What are we paying for these customers? Um, it's kind of like the, the CAC to LTV ratio is that is that where it should be or are we still quite far off right so it's basically you know do we have a a scalable uh model to really grow this marketplace and you know, for some it might be driven by uh, paid acquisition for some platforms it might be driven by organic by some platforms it might be driven by referrals but do you have something here and then fourthly which i think is very often uh, forgotten is <clears throat> do all these things also translate into pretty good unit economics right um do we feel that we can create a business here that on a kind of like a gross margin level is going to be a profitable business because if you, if you don't see a path at least to turning your home market into a profitable business i don't think there's like any reason to already start moving to another country yeah, those those things are really good. I personally, I think that marketplaces should be more concerned generally with unit economics at the in the early stages. It, it I think it's for in in my experience, what I've seen is it takes younger marketplaces a long time before they start to really consider the importance of of unit economics. Um, and so, all of those things are 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 great, and they're really looking internally and saying, "Is my business ready?" But I think also another aspect is you got to look externally and say, where do I want to go and how is that going to affect business, right? So I know you've got a few thoughts on um, when you're looking when you're looking at the the international market that you're thinking of moving into. Um, what what questions would you be asking uh, in that in that case? Yeah, sure. I think the <clears throat> the kind of like the where do we go to is is I think super important, and I think here you also can have different perspectives, right? So if you have a marketplace um, and you already see that from a like a customer or supply point of view, 
you have traction coming in from either like adjacent states when you're operating in specific states in the US or from adjacent countries when you're operating maybe in Europe, then you could of course think about like, hey, maybe that's an interesting market to go to. We already have some supply, we already have some demand, so maybe we can kind of kickstart something here. Um, but I think that's only kind of like half the answer, right? Uh, because you also want to have a bit of like a long-term perspective. You know, is this <clears throat> is this new market, even though it's maybe adjacent, is this market actually big enough for us? Is it like an interestingly enough market for us? Is this a market where we think we can kind of credibly grow um, our marketplace business or are we facing like a lot of like local regulation that might make it difficult for us to be successful here, right? So what I see being done in practice is generally um, well-prepared founders that you know build some sort of like Excel file where they really map all the different geos that they could expand into and then list specific characteristics. Why are these geos interesting for us? Hmm. And, um, and, and then from there, kind of come up with a score on like, Okay, based on these criteria, we think that, you know, in the medium to long term, this is actually one of the most interesting markets to go into. And of course, here there's a lot of nuances between marketplaces, right? So um, if you're building a marketplace in, for instance, the real estate sector, you might have like, a, like an iBuyer or so, you know, like a, a platform like Open Doors or Coded, something where we invested in, that essentially flips apartments very quickly. You also have to do with a very strong regulatory framework. You know, in some countries, this whole flipping aspect doesn't really work. There's a lot of taxes that you need to pay on top of that. So criteria that they would be looking for is really around this whole legal uh, structure. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're building a company, I don't know, in the quick commerce space, you might be much more interested in, you know, are there enough potential riders that can actually deliver the pizza or whatever it is um, or the groceries to the customer. Um, how do the labor laws in these countries actually look like? You know, and maybe even things like like weather and terrain. Um, you know, it is a country where it's only raining the whole time, or where the roads are muddy and difficult. Might be a very good reason to either decide to opt in or opt out of a specific uh, market. Yeah, that's good. You got it realize when you're moving internationally that you have the ability then to compare what markets you may want to move into. So that's a really good framework for for comparing them when it's time. You're saying it's time to move internationally. Um, there, what are some of the other components that you would say to look at? So I heard um, total addressable market. I heard some especially legal problems that you may run into or legal obstacles, things that might make it difficult for your product or service to expand or your marketplace to expand. Um, are there any other components that you would say, make sure this is on your spreadsheet if you're comparing uh, international markets that you might want to move into? Yeah. So let's say you decided to internationalize, right? And you decided, you know, these are the interesting markets to go to. And you kind of like nailed the the question, like, have we got it right? Then I think another aspect that you want to look into, um, do we have kind of like a replicable model already right so i think generally speaking your first country will always be the toughest and from the first country you typically build some sort of playbook and then using this playbook you ideally want to be more successful quicker 
in your second market compared to your first market. So I think answering, do we have something replicable is really like, you know, do we have, do we have the playbook in, in place? Um, do we know what levers we can pull to actually uh, pull this off? You know, uh, do we have a good view on what it actually costs to internationalize? Do we have the right team already in place or do we know whom to hire? Um, I think these things are fundamentally also super important, right? Because you might have a lot of reasons that um, kind of lead you into, you know, internationalization might be a good idea for us. But then in practical terms, you also need to have either the cash or the competences or the playbook in place to simply also execute successfully on that business. And, you know, especially for like early stage startups, they, their biggest constraint is usually cash, you know, not when you're raising a series C or a series, maybe sometimes series B, because then you have certain huge amounts of money that you can actually leverage to, to, to pay for all these things. But especially if you're like in a pre-seed or seed phase, I mean, you have, you don't have that much money, right? And um, I think there, the whole implications of what does it actually cost us to internationalize is often uh, underappreciated and underestimated by founders. And I, I definitely fell into the trap myself when I was building my own company. Yeah, so let's get back to the beginning and just to sum it up and say, there's a lot of motivations that you might have to move internationally. There's a lot of bad ones uh, that you might be being influenced by as a founder, but there's also a lot of good motivations for moving internationally at the right time. So just to, to kind of summarize here, what would you say are good motivations versus bad motivations for founders uh, for moving internationally? I mean, I think a good motivation is we are nailing this in country number one. And we feel very strongly that we can do it in country number two as well. And country number two is such an interesting market that we definitely want to move into there, right? So that is, we got it right and we like the opportunity in the new country. Another reason might be kind of like these cross-border network effect, right? So where really the value prop of your own uh, business is becoming more valuable by scaling into multiple markets. And then kind of like poor reasons are we haven't yet figured it out in the first market, but we think that we can do better in the second market. We want to internationalize because we see competition coming up in the second market. And simply internationalizing when you have too little cash, because I mean, the reality of course is in those early days, you'll probably be more efficient with each dollar or euro that you spend uh, operating in simply one market versus operating in two markets. Yeah? So I think that's a very often a misunderstood concept and you end up seeing startups stretching themselves too thin, having uh, too many people on their payroll spread across multiple countries. Whereas actually if you would make like one condensed effort, your, your yield would probably be a lot, lot better. Gotcha. So let's uh, continue the summarization here and just say, what, what's the biggest thing that you want marketplace founders to take away or marketplace CEOs, leaders to take away from this topic that, that we've been going through? Yeah, I think you should not take internationalization very lightly, right? I think in, going international is a very big step for any type of company. 
um, not just organizational, how do we actually do this, but also very uh, practical. And you want to be crystal clear on what your reasons are for internationalization. So answer the, the why question, the when question, the where question and the how question. And think ultimately for a marketplace, I think you alluded to this before, the marketplaces are, you know, it's, it's like a, it's like a category, but the, the devil, the details, the devil is in the details, right? So yeah. ultimately as a business, you need to build the playbook that really works for you and what might work for you might not work for someone else. So really try to figure out what is really our strategy here? What can we learn from the other marketplace out there? Um, uh, what can, what did they do right? What did they do wrong? But ultimately, how can we turn this into something that really works for us? I think if you take internationalization uh, right, you'll figure out that your first country is going to be super tough. But then as you scale from market to market, the second, third and fourth market will become easier over time. And you simply get a better return for your investment uh, with every country you roll into. Gotcha. And I, I want to hit you with a question I, I didn't prepare you for at all here. Um, but... If you were to say outside of this topic, outside of internationalization, um, is there another big piece of advice that you say you frequently give to founders? What was the what What's the biggest thing you would give them uh, outside of this topic? Hmm. Good question. I mean, I'm not giving this advice very frequently, but don't over-index on your competitors, right? I think the biggest, you know, having competition is not the main reason why startups fail. Startups fail because they, in most cases, didn't have the eyes on the ball. They didn't fully understand their own operating model before they started to scale it. And I think if there's only one thing you should get right from your pre-seed or seed money, it's really trying to figure out this operating model, right? So what works for us? And all the other stuff, like competition, it's bullshit, mostly. I love it. Hey, this has been a very, very helpful conversation. Uh, certainly for me, I, like I said, I, I learned a lot and I really appreciate your time. And to the listeners, I recommend that you go and connect on LinkedIn. We'll have a link to Joran's uh, LinkedIn profile in the description, as well as a link to Speed Invest, which you should definitely go check out. And uh, to the Marketplace Conference YouTube channel, like I mentioned in the beginning, tons of great content and very helpful. So go check that out. And uh, if there's anything else we can we can link for you, let me know. We are we're so grateful that you guys join us and listen to the podcast or listen to clips of the podcast. However, you're engaging with the community. I'm learning a lot from y'all, and I really appreciate the community that we're we're continuing to build here. Feel free to leave comments uh, in in any of the places where you're watching this and. Uh, subscribe to the newsletter if you want just a condensed version of all of the best things that we learn from all of our uh, amazing guests and social interactions, all those kinds of things. All right. Thank you guys. Thanks for joining. And uh, thank you for joining. I really appreciated your time and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you.